2: The Believe in Badger football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by betonline.ag. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins, joined, as always, by Badger legend, the Hebrew hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Bernie, how are we doing today?
0: Man, we are good. It's almost, uh, you know, eat as much as you can and drink as much as you can weekend, which is great. Maybe with a baby, it's different. But we are on with one of my favorite people in the world. Yes, Brian Calhoun, <laughs> The of the best running backs, started the trend. He's back. I want to hear what he thinks about the Badgers, but also Axe Week. You know, it's one of those very special, special weeks. Brian, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back. It's uh, it's good to see you see you guys again, and I'm I'm excited to talk about Axe Week and and the possibility of Jim Leonard taking uh, the head job. So. It's gonna be a good week.
2: It is gonna be a good week. We it's gonna be so. a big week. We are excited to have BC back. Uh, per Joe Thomas on one of the show, one of the five greatest running backs in the history of Wisconsin football. So before we get into that, I want to remind you guys that we are presented by BetOnline.ag. They continue to be your number one source for all of your online sports, wagering needs. You name it, they've got it. NFL, NBA, college football, Bas you know, basketball, esports, golf. If you can imagine it, they probably got it over there at betonline.ag, plus World Cup. I don't know if either you guys are soccer guys. World Cup is now going on. Uh, Argentina losing did not help me at all in my pocketbook. One of the biggest upsets in the history of the World Cup in the first round. Nonetheless, it, uh, whatever your sport is, head on over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. When you sign up to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, betonline. where the game. Starts. It's Axe Week. It's the most important week of the year. And so we're going to go back a little bit because BC was a star as we hear the Purdue Boilermaker train go by my house right now. BC, you were starved. Maybe the most epic, epic Axe game of all time. You had 140 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, We with the Casillas Strickland block touchdown. You played in one Axe game, so what was that like? Building up, you probably, you had to watch the 2004 game from the sidelines, then you get to come in in 2005. Like, what's that experience like for you?
1: It was uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I think uh, for people who are not a part of a, a rivalry game, it's a different level of excitement, There's a different buzz around um, the facilities, and so I was there in 05 and I, I didn't get a chance to play, but. You know, I got a chance to see Erasmus James and and all, and that defense, Antosh Hawthorne and that defense play really well and, you know, get a victory. And so it was pretty cool to see, you know, and on the other side. At that time, Minnesota had some some dogs at running back, you know, Marion Barber, um, Lawrence Maroney. So I, I got the feel of how important it is and, and got to see it. And so when I got a chance to play in 2005, it was pretty special. BC, do you grow up with like that being a rivalry like from
0: the get-go? Because like coming from New York, I didn't know that this was a big deal.
1: I mean, to be honest with you, not really. I think that's a I think that's a Madison thing, right? Like when you get to UW, you know, there's certain rivalries that you get up for. You know, you play for a trophy against certain teams, but the Minnesota, just because it's the border, border battle type of type of thing, and um, and, you know, you get a decent amount. I know they get a decent amount of kids from Minnesota now. Um, so there's, there's pride on it. Um, and and I think recently it's it's gotten a little bit more um, competitive, a little more chippy just because Minnesota's won a few. Where, you know, back um, when I played, um, we were starting the streak of winning a whole bunch in a row. So um, we didn't think that we could lose the game, to be honest. And we knew it would be a, a good game, but we we were pretty confident going in.
0: Well, for someone who was there in 2003, it was brutal to lose to say, the axe. You, you were you were there. I was there. I watched that kicker kick it. And then, you know, kickers are like my people I don't really like. Um, I, I mean, I don't dislike them. I think special teams now, if you watch the games, are more important than ever. But those dudes kick for like a half an hour and then go and do like abs all day and play video games. They have the best lives um, and they never get hit, really. It's kind of beautiful uh but that's not why we play but football if they bc miss a
1: big kick but if they miss a big kick it's they their, yeah
0: they're they're um what's pretty, that guy from oh, uh <laughs> yeah it's brutal uh laces out that's like the only thing i think about when the kicker misses um we've seen a lot of them this year it's kind of sad we don't have to go down that dark hole i could go there.
2: yeah it, we, we have seen a lot of this year but burn burn does practice ratchet up just a little bit more during Axe? Like, how does practice change just a little bit? I mean, especially, like, BC, well, like, in, in the game yeah. you were in, that was Barry's last Axe game. I mean, how does, first of all, how does practice change Axe week? And then let's talk about the game itself.
0: Well, it's fun. So this, you know, like, the season is a different season for Axe week. It's like you have your, you have the non-conference, then you have the Big Ten, and then you have Axe week. And to me, it's completely different. Everything changes. You get in. Uh, BC. Did Coach Hughes give like the speech at the beginning? Like that dude never said a word yeah. in a team meeting. He gets up. He goes over. Like everyone's teed up. Like it looks like everyone does a pre workout before they like they come. All the coaches are fired up. Um, and you sit in the team meeting room and you just listen to Coach Hughes like talk about the tradition and the history and how dudes like played with fingers getting cut off and like crazy stories that you're like, there's no way that these dudes did it. It's like folklore, but you really kind of like, maybe, you know, like there's a little bit of that. And <laughs> to me, it's, to me, like my first time experiencing it as a freshman or a red, a red shirt, I'm like, ah, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, it's like your high school, you know, across the pond or across the, you know, river team that you hate and you want to play against and win And then as you start playing, like it is so much cooler, you know, to run to run around the field with the axe is unbelievably cool. I can't talk that much, talk that much smack because um, Ali's mom sent me a text like, how dare you say you hate Minnesota? But I do. I don't know it that well. But uh, so so that was my experience. So I'll just preface that with I can't really talk. I can't really say hateful things because, Carrie, you're listening and I love you. But BC, what was it like for you? You were there for one year, you or two years, sorry. You got to experience Hughes getting up there, which no one wants to see that dude get up. <laughs> you didn't play in the first game, but then you dominated the second game. Like, what how cool is that for you?
1: Um, it was it was it was really exciting. So, you know, I think if people forget we were i didn't have a really good first half our offense didn't really play that well in the first half and we were kind of sputtering we got things going the second half lawrence maroney had a humongous day i mean he absolutely went nuts had really long two two really long runs um and so at some point in the fourth quarter i just remember like there's no way we're going to win this right like we were down i think two scores at the time um in the fourth quarter i was like this is not looking good Um, and then we go down we score real quickly um, and then you know, obviously the the infamous block punt and touchdown. So um, I think that that play itself um, goes down as one of, you know the best axe games, um, one of the best plays in Badger history, just because of how it looked for so long and then be able to pull it out in the end. Uh, it was pretty exciting. Plus, it was Barry's last year, so like everybody was juiced up a little bit too. So BC, I got two questions for you. One. How annoying is watching game
0: loop in the locker room? Do you oh, remember gosh. all they would put on? If so, BC, explain what you saw. That because I was shocked, my fr- my red shirt ear. I was like, wait, you can't change the channels. I took the controllers, so you couldn't change the channels. And it was a loop of dude. It was on at like ten o'clock at night. Like if you left late, like that loop didn't stop. It was a loop of all the times we won the axe. Over yep. and over, and then the dudes running around and chopping yep. the goalposts down. So, BC, that's my first question. What's that like to you?
1: <laughs> well, uh, you know, being there in 05, right? I experienced it in 04, but I didn't, I was in 05. In and then, you know, there's three TVs in the locker room, and literally it was just a loop over and over and over again. And at, at some point, you know, you're about Wednesday through the week, you're like, I don't need to watch every year, grab the ax and chop that. I don't need to to watch it. Um, so at some point you're, I wouldn't say annoyed, but you're like, okay, let's just play the game. Um, and fu- funny story is actually after the game in 05, I didn't even grab the, the ax. I didn't even get a chance to hold it or chop a field goal post. I think I was pulled by a couple of reporters and I was doing interviews right after. Um, but it's just, it's just funny because it's, it's a cool tradition and back then that's when the axe was still on the other team's sideline so you would run across the field if it was not on your sideline to grab it and so that can always like nowadays i don't you can't do that obviously right but back then i'm surprised there weren't more fights or more shoving or confrontations because you're storming the other sideline in in the heat of the battle so it's um but it's it's a it's a great robbery i I'm, I'm excited for saturday and and I'm glad I was just be able to part of it. It is. It's the longest lasting rivalry I think ever. It is.
2: It is. It's the most played. Yeah, it's most the most played. played collegiate rivalry. But BC, I want to talk about your game because I remember distinctly in that 2005 game, you c- it didn't seem like you could get it going in the first half, and then something seemed to switch at halftime, and you came out like a freaking banshee in the second half. What what changed for you in that game because you were like you getting going was the key to the Badgers' offense getting going. What do you think prevented you in that game from not getting off to a good start, and then what changed at halftime?
1: I, I think this execution. Right, in the first half we didn't execute um, very well. We had some penalties going on. I mean, I did score uh, a goal line touchdown in the first half, but it was they were just doing a good job uh, of forcing us to make plays downfield, which John Stockle did. He had some. Big plays at B Will and, and J O and, and that crew. Um, I think in the second half we stayed the course. Um, we kept running the ball, kept wearing on them. Um, I think the the one benefit as me playing running back is I was able to catch the ball at backfield. So getting some things in space. So that helped me a lot. And I and I and I think it's funny watching um, you know, the Badgers this year and the last couple of years is, is I think the fan base is so impatient now. And it's like i think back to 15 years ago 17 years ago like they would have been extremely impatient with us i mean because literally it was you know we had some games where it was three yards two yards four yards three yards two yards you know what i mean so um and that's what we did we just wore them and we stayed patient um and then i was able to break a couple loose ones in the second half get going in the running game o-line played well defense made stops when they needed to so um but I, th- I think a lot of people still forget that we we were down and we didn't play a very first tra- for a great first half. So I think that's what makes the game that much better because we able had to, you know, go through some adversity and come back and win. Now I got I got a question about
0: tradition, Brian, for you. We it used to be you ran around your stadium with the with the axe, ran into you know the stands, had everyone touch it, not run into the stands, but on the field having people touch it. And in away team, away games, you would chop their goalpost down. I don't remember when it changed to now you chop your home team goalpost down. What are your thoughts about that? New to me, it's to me it's weird. I don't know why you want to chop our goalpost down. I, I don't get it. It was cool to do it somewhere else. I don't.
2: I think you just want to. When you have a giant axe, burn you just want to chop right. something. But down. But the tradition was to do it somewhere else,
0: not. At our place. OK, B.C., let me hear your thoughts.
1: I mean, I'm mean, i assuming at some point through the years it got murky and people just started chopping whatever. Um, <laughs> but it it, means it doesn't make sense to chop your own goalposts down. But it's more of like it's more of the the signal of uh, we won the axe. And so we're chopping our opponent down, whether you're home or away. Um, I think that's the I think that's. of the gist of it right but i mean it doesn't make much sense but then again to me the whole chopping the axe thing that to me that's kind of weird anyway like we won the axe but now we're gonna spend 20 minutes running around the entire field to chop down you know what i actually think that's the coolest part about about it
0: i literally think running around the field for like half an hour is the coolest part about it you're celebrating with your fans i mean but you're actually
1: not chopping anything. Well, what's
2: it like, though? I got to know, like, what is it like winning the Axe in Minnesota? Like, there are 30,000 Badger fans at that game. Like, what does that does that even, like, feel better than winning it at home? Like, weirdly, just to, like, shut them up? Especially the way you guys
1: and, did. And that game was at the old uh, Metro Dome, I believe. Um,
2: yeah, it was one of the last ones.
1: And so, and it, and we traveled really well. We had a lot of, um, of Badger fans there. And, you know, it's funny. We played that game in the middle of the season. Was that that was I think that was more early October that was Yeah, it was
2: mid-October. It was mid-October. It was like October 13th, I want to say, looking back at my uh I actually brought it up. I, I brought the box score up here before we started recording October 15th,
1: 2005. So yeah, so I think having on Thanksgiving weekend, the last game of the year before the Big championship Championships a cool, a cool concept. But before we played in the middle of the season. So um I mean, I I I I I like the change of having at the end of the year, but uh, playing at the Metrodome, I mean, it was kind of wasn't that great of a place to play at, to be honest with you. Um, but having a, a strong contingent of Badger fans there was cool, too. And, and I think every game that we went to, even when we played um, at Hawaii, we had a bunch of Badger fans just because everybody knew it was uh, Coach Alvarez's last year. So every game we went to, we had a bunch uh, of Badger fans there, which is really cool to see.
0: That is very cool to see. Man, I'm, I know you're pumped. Like, we got to win. So let's transition. Then we got to win for a number of reasons. One, okay. it's our boy getting the job. I don't think it. I don't think it. Hold, I don't think if we win or lose, he gets it whether he wins or loses. I think a win really helps him. Um,
2: but, I can I can say a couple things because I've been doing some investigation here. Hit us. Um, I, I I've been working some sources here. Um, with Lance Leopold uh, re upping at Kansas. Um and with Dave Aranda sticking or pretty much saying he's saying he's gonna stick around in Baylor, I can I don't know if I can report. I, I, I have pretty good information that the administration took a run at Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, uh just to gauge his interest, and he was he he was he was interested, but the amount of money that they would have had to pay him was something like in six figures to get him out of Cincinnati and uh jimmy was kind of you know was one a fickle was one b and it's it's gonna be jimmy jimmy's the title's gonna take be taken the interim tag is being taken off of jimmy whether or not they win now for me i think it's important to take the tag off before the game because it's gonna look weird if they lose and then it's like he's the coach i mean he's gonna be the coach but you know i think it would be better just to take the tag off before the game and just be like this is the dude but B.C., I want to know just how you feel about having, you know, Jimmy, yeah. like, leading the program at this point. Because when we talked to you, he was still the D.C. last time back in February when we were chopping yeah. it up. And yeah. now, like, you know, this dude that you know is leading the program. So just what are your overthoughts on sort of what's happened, how this stuff has transpired and, you know, Jimmy as a leader?
1: Well, first off, I think it's, it's his it's his job. It's always been his job. Um, the the Luke Fickle thing, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but to me, I, I never understood the whole rumors of like Matt Rule. Never understood that. Or even even with even with Lance, he's done a, a fabulous job, you know, at Buffalo and Kansas. But to me, um, if you just if you decide to move on, Chris McIntosh, move on from Paul, to me, Lance is kind of like Paul. Right? It's kind of about the same age. Um had, Paul's once over seventy percent of his games. Like I, I think Lance wouldn't take you to the next level if that's the reason why you decided to to move on from Coach Chris. So to me, Luke Fickle, okay, I can I can get behind that. Um, but I think Jimmy was always the guy. Um, and there's something about, and you see some of these videos, um, you know, after games and, and the the locker rooms playing the the Jimmy Crooks music. I mean, like some of that stuff, like. You can't – it's authentic, right? You can't fabricate that. Um, Bring in somebody, you know, outside outsider. Um, I just – I think – I don't think that makes the right sense. I think Jimmy is is the best guy for the job, and he's going to be able to relate to to the current players. He's going to be able to relate to the recruits. And his story um, reaches every single person that you would want to come to Wisconsin. Whether you're a scholarship kid and wants to play in the NFL, he did that. Whether you're a walk-on and you want to earn reps and and, and be a player, he did that. Um, and so I, I think it, it's a no-brainer. I think he's going to have tremendous success. Um, you know, I, I, and it's tough, right? Like, I Michigan State loss was tough, right? Like, we should have won that game, right? That's a tough one. Um, we should have played better at Iowa. That was a winnable game. Uh and so now you're you're looking at a completely different season, but four and two after six games, and and all the stuff that we you know the badge program had had to go through with the last few weeks, and then obviously losing Coach Brown in the off season, like it, it, he's done a fabulous job, and it makes sense um, for them to to move forward with him. And I, I have the utmost confidence in him, and I'm excited for the the future where it goes, but. Winning Minnesota is important, I think, just because we've lost the last two out of three, I believe. And so I think it's just, hey, you want to get the regular season on a high note. Um, you're gonna go into bowl prep and recruiting on a high note and some positive stuff. And then you get named the head coach. I think those are the the positive waves you wanna ride. And uh and I think that's gonna be a big win for them.
0: Dude, it's a huge just Jimmy being named the head coach. I have no, I mean, I have a lot of skin in the game, but I can't actually affect anything. The fact that they let Paul go to meet signaled that they want Jimmy in. It's very interesting actually that um, they went to the Cincinnati guy, but you have to look around like, this is the world we look, we live in. Like you're going to look to see if there's other candidates who are interested. I'm happy that no one was interested. I also think he probably looked at it and goes, Jimmy Leonard's the guy. Why would I even throw my hat in the ring? And then you start talking about money. We're paying Paul $11 million. You know, we can, I don't want to say get Jimmy cheap, but we could probably get him for less than what we were paying Paul for, at least to start. So not saying we're saving money, but nah, somewhere in there where there's probably some shekels being saved. Um but dude, what, BC, you mentioned it. What what Jimmy brings to the culture of Wisconsin and and the state and the team, he's done it on every letter. He was a walk-on who no one thought would play. He he was an All American for three years or four years. He holds, I think, the record for interceptions. He was fearless on punt return. He never fair caught unless it was blatant fair catch, you know. And then he went to the NFL and played for 10 years, not just like nine, he played for a decade. Um, and he went and Rex Ryan, who's a great defensive mind, took him with him. That's not yeah. normal. You take like Darrell Revis with you, but he yeah, took Jimmy Leonard with him. And then he comes to back give me one more second.
2: Bills because he needed someone to run the defense on the back end. And the only person smart enough to do that he had was Ray Lewis, Ed Reed and Jimmy Leonard.
0: Yeah. And then Jimmy goes from the NFL to like helping the team to seeing how valuable this dude is. And just like what he sees and what he can give you as like a consultant to being hired, to being the D coordinator, to having so much success, dude, against Nebraska they get 170 yards and they play the whole game. I don't know about UBC. We'll get there. Our offense is terrible. But um but the defense plays the whole game and who's the coach of the defense?
2: The defense hasn't given up more than 200 yards who's in the last the coach? 3 games. They they've given up less than 200 yards in the last 3 games. The defense is incredible. It just gets me so yeah. excited. Jimmy. It's Jimmy. It's him. and it's And coach just to April. see him run
0: in the locker room and start dancing like that's so un-Jimmy like, but he knows the guys like it. And he will do yep. it for them. You never saw Barry did it one time. I've ever seen him do that. And it was when he won the bowl game in like 2012 or whatever.
1: So like, I mean, but, but maybe Barry did that when we were, when he was younger. We well, you don't know. Oh, right? true. But okay. True. Maybe, maybe. I guess that's um, right. we yeah, kind of saw him I when think, he was old. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. I think Jimmy has a different vibe about him, right? Like you just, it's a different vibe. And, and you know, what's refreshing too is, is how he handles in his press conferences. He, he he's very transparent. He he keeps it real, um, and he and he answers the questions. And so I think it's going to be a breath of fresh air for that group. But my 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 only concern is that the the administration has to do you know pull their weight and what they need to do to improve the the program, um, whether that is improving. Funding for assistant coaches in that, in that money pool, right? Like Wisconsin is one of the lowest in the big 10, um, improving facilities. Wisconsin has some of the worst facilities in the big 10. Um, like they're, they're not completely, their hands are not completely clean here. Like they have to do the things to give the kids the resources as well. And to make, um, Jimmy excel. they
2: have the lowest recruiting budget of any power five school, right? And. They, they, they spent less on recruiting than any Power Five school the last the last couple of years because it's, you know, and that's, to me, and Burn we've talked about this with Clint a lot. Like, if you aren't investing in recruiting, you're not investing in the program. You can try to develop as much guys as you want, but if you're not spending the money going on the road and finding those kids, because if Wisconsin needs to develop guys, they're not going to be getting the five stars that Ohio State and Texas and Alabama get. You have to go out to California and find some of these guys. You have to go into deep into Florida and maybe find some of these guys that not all the big-time programs are recruiting. You have to go into Texas and do the same thing, and that costs
1: money. And here's, a, and here's the thing. And you staff can, and a recruiting department. Absolutely, that can do that. and you can do it. You can, you can have it both ways in this case. You can still recruit guys from the Midwest, um, your old linemen, linebackers, and develop those guys, but then you also need to go get some guys that can run, that can jump like who are athletic that can move. Like you can have it both ways. You can still recruit the guys you need to recruit, but also spend a little bit of money and go get some guys. And, I, and I'd also just, and then, you know, the recruiting department, I think it's probably in better shape than it was a few years ago, but. Just because
2: I, Mickey's there. Right. And I, Simply I think, because
1: Mickey's there. <laughs> but I think, I think there just needs to be a, a, a true evaluation of how they do things. Um, what were we doing when we were successful? How many guys do we need? Do we need eight? Do we need 10? Do we need 12? Like, I think you, Jimmy, says, you know what? We need 12, 12 people to fully staff this. Then you you need to accommodate. Like, we need to meet halfway. If you really want to win championships, like you say, then I'm going to deliver the product on the field. You need to help me deliver the product off the field. And that has to be a two-way street. And, I, and I, we can't hide behind this mantra of, like, well, we've always done it this way. Um, we're we're a program that only develops. Well, yeah, we only develop, but we also had a lot of really talented people come through here and develop and end up being NFL superstars. So, like, we we need to put and so I, I'm put resources in those things. So I'm happy for Jim when he gets announced, but you know, I'm also excited for the future because I think this place has so much untapped potential. Right. We're right on the cusp, but it's like just incorpor- incorporate some money in recruiting into staffing into facilities. It could, it could be a program that you know nobody wants to mess with, even the Michigans and Ohio states for years to come. Well,
0: you know, for a while, Wisconsin, a lot of guys from Wisconsin went to Wisconsin went to Wisconsin. Like when they said they put a wall up around the state, they really did a good job. That's of no that. longer the case. Yeah. It's no longer the case at all. We're losing top guys probably the top 5 are are going out of state.
2: Yeah, la- I mean last year the 20 the 2022 class, they had the Wisconsin had a bumper crop of talent. They had five four-star kids within the state. And one they guy ended, went to Penn
1: State, I think. One, guy one went to Penn State, one went
2: to Notre Dame and one went to Ohio State. And I mean that's that's killer. not acceptable. It's killer. It's killer when those are three of the top f- five kids in the class. Like It's, They're, it's, it's also killer if you need that. If you
1: need those classes. And, and here's what's wild. Here's what's wild is, I believe, two of them were linemen, right? And one was a tight end. Correct. So here's, here's what's wild, right? The history of Wisconsin O-linemen, right? And then the history of tight ends at Wisconsin. So you're saying two positions that we have flourished in in our history and guys decide to go elsewhere i mean that tells you what you yeah i mean know, especially right?
2: when you look at the tight end he was a uh, jerry cross dead ringer for travis beckham dead ringer for travis beckham i mean he you know perfect guy to have in an offense like this especially with ingram ingram we know coming from the system he came from right. the nfl likes to focus on tight ends and you know obviously ingram wasn't here during that recruiting cycle really but still like you know when you have a kid of that caliber in state when you have any of those kids of that caliber i mean hansman was the number one center in the country by Rivals.com. He ends up at Ohio State. I mean, it's 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 pretty tough all around. And Wisconsin, obviously on the recruiting trail, has to get back to that if they are going to be a power in that that we all believe that they should be, and we know that they can be between the funds that are available. If you look at how much Wisconsin brings in as a program and then spends on the program, the discrepancy is pretty darn large. And it's it it can be concerning as someone who loves the program. So, um, but BC, let's talk about the running game and what you've seen out of Braylon Allen and Chez now that Chez is back because it's been really sort of fits and starts this weekend. I don't, from the outside, I don't know if that's more about the backs or it's more about the line.
1: I I mean, I I feel like the running game has been inconsistent. Um, And I think that is just as much on the running backs as it is um, the old linemen. I believe they've had nine or 10 different combination of alignment, partly because of injury, but there's not an O-line coach or people that have played O-line that would tell you that is a winning formula. It's not. Like, there's no consistency. Um, and, I, and I get it. If you have injuries, that's one thing. But, like, there's no consistency if you play in eight or nine, 10 different combinations. Um, so now I think they have not – Maybe played up to to the billing. Um, I know some of those guys are a little bit younger, but those are all heavily recruited kids. Those are all four stars, three, four, five star guys. Um, I, I really was it was really exciting to see Ches. He looked he looked like he had a burst, right? As as Bernie knows, Coach White always used to say, "I want to see the speed of the film change," right? Like he had some burst and he was decisive and he made some cuts. And I'm like he can really help us. And obviously he decided to come back for next year, which is going to be huge. Um, Obviously Braylon has been banged up, um, which, you know, as as a running back, maybe he's a little concerning because now that's two years in a row that he's kind of been banged up. Um, And so, you know, and when, and as an athlete, as a running back, when you're banged up, you don't feel hundred percent, you don't make decisions very fast, right? You're tentative. And I think at times, he has ran that way, um, or and or he's trying to make a big play every single run, right? And I see that a little bit, and then I see you know him just not being super decisive and using his you know two hundred and forty pound frame to break an arm tackle, right? Like um, for me, completely different style. Like for me, I want to flash my speed every chance I got. Because I knew that can at least give me three or four yards, right? Three or four yards, five yards, whatever it may be, and then I knew I could break a long one. For him, it's like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to bang it in there for a little bit, and then once they're tired of tackling you, then that's when the long runs comes. But I think he's trying to just break every single run, make a long one, and so that makes him look tentative. So I, I think the it's been inconsistent once again in the run game, and that's partly on the running back, partly on the line, but they've had flashes of what they could be. And I think obviously those guys coming back next year, um, we should be rolling like we normally do.
2: And I've got a question for both you guys here when it comes to, because one of the things that I've noticed is depending on the game, I mean, I'm seeing some games where they're going 40% of the snaps and pistol. I'm seeing games where there's 80% of snaps under center. Some it's like 50, 50 shotgun as a back. Is that tough to adjust to, especially when you when you're talking about like, when you're getting the ball in the pistol is very different than when you've got, when your quarterback's under center or you're lined up, you know, next to the quarterback, is that tough to adjust to week to week? Or is that just something at some point, it's just autopilot.
0: BC, um, you're the resident expert here. I just played what? your position like three times.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's not true. You carried it <laughs> like almost 30 times against Penn State. I don't want to hear it.
0: <laughs> no, I said three, like um, three games, only three games. Well, oh, okay. Games, that's somewhere there, yeah.
1: Um, well, here's the thing. Pistol wasn't the thing when I played. Um, I, I do like the idea. You p- would have
2: been, by the way, you would have been maybe the ultimate pistol running back. I would have loved it. Pistol- I would have loved it. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I, I, oh,
1: that would have been the brilliant. way that some offices are, uh, offenses are run now. I would have loved it. Right. Like that was that would have been my jam. But I think pistol is nice because you can still run your play at play action out of it. Right. And it still looks like, you know, under center. Shotgun, to be honest with you, we, we didn't run, in 05, we didn't run a whole bunch out of shotgun. So you're already kind of tipping your hand to say we're passing. We did throw a lot of screens out of that, but we didn't run, like, we didn't run jet sweeps like that. We didn't run kind of like a, a, um off-tackle power, so to speak, out of shotgun. We just didn't. Um, but I, so I think that limits to what you can do in, in the run game, although... There's tons of teams that run out of shotgun. We just aren't built that way. Um, I have seen some things from from Bobby Ingram that has opened up the offense, but I still think the offense is still a little dated, in my opinion. Um, I mean, it's it's like it's not 2022. It's not 2005. It's like right in the middle of 2012, right? Like it's still kind of outdated a little bit. And I'm not saying go straight shotgun. Um because we need the run game. And, and I think right now, anytime Graham has been asked to throw 25, 30 times, that's just not his game. Um, and so we need to be able to rely on the run game. But I think it's about creating matchups. And I think we're still trying to figure that out. But I do like the pistol formation. Um, but I just wish, I wish we had a little more variety from pistol, run game, out of shotgun. We don't, like, Bernie, you know, we used to run slide. We used to run draw. A ton when i was there we don't run that um we don't do a lot of screens to our backs um we don't do a lot of routes with our backs um and so i think there's just we've a seen
2: garendo get out there a little bit he's run a couple you know garendo i mean he he's a good receiver out of the back he was a he high school wide receiver we've seen him catch a couple wheel reps rep.
1: he needs more yeah. reps he needs more reps like i it's tough because you have three guys that can all carry the ball like at this point, if you're trying to keep Braylon, Alley he- Braylon Allen healthy, he doesn't need to carry it 18, 20, 22 times. He needs to carry it about 15. Ches needs about 10. I, um, Grindo needs it about 10, like, or five rushes, five passes. Like he needs more carries. And so that, and that's your job as an offensive coach is like, okay. And, and what, what it was in 05, and Bernie knows is like, there were small packages. For all of us. Right. Like, so if there were plays that we knew this was going to highlight Brandon Williams, then that's he had five or six plays or Owen Daniels or J.O. or it was me. So, like, you got to build these packages together because they need more touches, not just running Braylon right and left, especially, you know, if you struggling to stay healthy.
2: Was Don't I, get me I, started. I'm
1: sorry. No, I'm no, going no. to rant.
2: No, this is why we have you
0: on. We're we, we having D- started. No, I, That's the point. I completely listen. One, I think the offense doesn't have enough reps. They can't get a first down. We I think the c- I, what we've talked about is like the cadence of plays is not great. You know, it's like run, pass, run. We punt, and we do too much of that. I do agree with you. To get back to the pistol, listen, I do think, I do think um. Braylon Allen will be great with 15 rushes. Now you also get the hot hand, right? So like what we did a long time ago, 100%. I think in 03, like when, when AD was, was banged up was it Dwayne, does he have the hot hand or just Booker, you know? And you're like, these guys were alternating. And then one dude kind of shone and took over and you're like, all right, he's just going to keep playing. And I think you can do that. Right. You have, I agree. I think you have three starting guys. And I think they're all awesome. So so and I think the offense just doesn't highlight and we're, you know, maybe it's from coming in after, you know, you you know, um Ingram came in and and you know like, what can you
1: do in a couple months? It's hard to implement right. your entire offense. Right. Um right. when things are kind of burning st- that Bernie, to that point. I remember in 05, right? And and I still that year, I mean, I had 50 some catches and I led the the country in touches. But I remember towards the end of the year, Coach White was saying, listen, you're going to go the first two series. Those are yours. No matter how long or short they are, unless you need a break, those are yours. Booker's going to do the third series. As long as it goes, that's like that's So that's another way of of saying he's got two, you got one. He's got two, you got one. You know what I mean? Right. That's another way of, of instead of being. And I don't. And, it, and maybe you have a true third down guy. And, and I I played on third down, but. Instead of saying you're the third down guy, what you can do, you got two, you get one. You get two, you get one. You get two, you get one. And then at some point, like you said, Bernie, let's ride the hot hand, right? If, if Braylon's feeling it, cool, let him stay in there. If if Garendo's in there, cool, let him stay in there. You know, if Chess stay, like that's how you kind of can manufacture it a little bit. Yeah, um, I think with so, three dudes, it's hard. But what you yeah, said, I agree. I what agree. you said about the packaging, you can bring in two guys.
0: You can have Garendo. Be a slot receiver, you can have them do different, you can have them run the jet sweep, right?
1: You can and we haven't even had both of them in the backfield at the same time,
0: right? But but like, so is that a product of the offense is not where we're at to be able to implement these plays, or probably. is it we just don't we just didn't think of it? Because if you and I can think of this, uh, I can't think that they can.
1: Like uh, imagine, like I can see a scenario where you have Braylon and Ches back there. Or Wildcat, whatever. I, uh, Grindo can be in the slot, run the jet sweep. Like you got three of your playmakers on the field at the same time. Uh, I think it's a product of we're not there yet. Um, I think it's a product of we're, we can't execute some of the basic fundamentals consistently, right. consistently. Um, and so therefore, why throw more at them? I, I totally agree, and I, I, wouldn't, I, and would, and I don't I think they can trust the offensive
2: it. line. Yeah, I don't I, think they trust the offensive line to do enough. And 100%. when you talk about fundamentals, I think when it comes to some of those jet sweeps and stuff like that, they don't trust that you know maybe the guy can 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 seal off that edge fast enough, right? I, they don't I trust completely that.
1: agree. I completely yeah, agree. Yeah, and so for yeah, I would just fight back when it's like I'm trying to get my best skill guys the ball. Right. And at at some point, you're right. I don't think they have tremendous trust in the line, at least from a consistent standpoint. Um, And, you know, it's hit or miss. So I do understand that. And then sometimes Graham's still figuring out, which we're all hoping that he does. Um, So I think there are a lot of we're going to pull back and just play safe. But like at this point, A, everybody's coaching for their job. Right. Up until I mean, on the offensive and,
2: side of the ball. Right. Up until sure. this
1: point, like Jimmy was coaching for his job, too. Right. Like, everybody's coaching for his job. Nobody's job safe. So why don't we do everything we can to maximize the talent we have? I understand that we're not playing as consistent. We have different line uh, combinations. I understand that. We don't want to throw too much at you. And burn knows like each group's different. Right. From year to year, some groups can handle a lot of stuff. In 05, our group, maybe on paper, wasn't the most talented. But they could we could handle a lot of stuff, a lot of formations, a <laughs> lot of shifts, a lot of motions. A lot of groups can't, a lot of groups don't have to, right? The group that Monty Ball had and three first rounders, they don't have to do a lot of shifting. They were just better than other people, right? Like, think about that. So I think a lot of it all goes in into this pot and we're gonna figure it out. But that's also why you're a division one coach, you're a division one coordinator. We got to figure it out because otherwise we can all be looking for jobs later. You know what I mean? So like, it's kind of a fine line of trying to figure it out, trying to win, trying to put my kids in the, the guys in the best position, but we got to do something. I, I, th- I was, and I totally agree. It's even like from the player, you're still
0: playing for your job too. You know? So, so everyone's a, it's college football. It's a business. You're playing for your job. I think the coaches bar none, you're playing for your job. And even if you do a good job, like CB Dub, like Coach White, doesn't mean you have a job. It's it's right. a nuts area. But I I do think the offensive dudes need to they have to coach for their positions at this point. We're watching an offense that's not the O line is just not doing it. Having listen we, when you and I played, you never bought in a different you you only no I don't remember a different dude coming in to play on the O line unless one guy had his arm fall off. Like yeah. I don't remember those dudes coming out ever. Not okay. one time. So you're talking about putting eight or nine different comp, ten combinations in is wow. wacky to me. And you never get the cohesiveness yeah, get of, of that. And then the backs can't really – you don't know what everyone's going to do on any given play. It's all different. Right. I want to say what what Coach White taught us, and I think Braylon is trying to do exactly what you're saying. I like that. He's like he's trying to win every game, and, and um, I think he doesn't need to. I think he can play his game like he did last year. And things happen organically. He'll break huge mm-hmm. runs. Um, I want, I want, because I think Ches was doing it, and I, and then he had, was very successful. He was getting on the lineman's heels, making one cut, and going. And and mm-hmm. and, and he, he wasn't was, dancing. He wasn't dancing. He was quick. And I think Brainwind, when he did that, man, he was so special because he's impossible to tackle. You know, breaking to the but outside he has is to get not going his game. first
2: because of his size. Though he needs that extra. Like he can't. He's not. BC, he's not Garendo. He can't step on a dime and have that zero to sixty acceleration like he's a Ferrari, right? He's he's a muscle car, right? It might take him a second to get up to speed, but once he's going, you cannot get in. the BC, way. my one and question, so-
0: which I don't have any experience with, and you said you didn't, but when you're in, when the quarterback's under center, you see the field, right? Like you can see mm-hmm. everything that's going on. When the guy's standing in front of you four yards, yeah, yeah, uh, does it change your vision, like? like our landmarks our pockets are they all different are your steps different when you're in the pistol compared to regular under center
1: um i don't think your landmarks or or what you're reading or your steps are different but you can't see the whole field right like i mean i mean Braylon's a big guy but i mean i think graham's pretty tall so i don't think he can see over him so i, I your the vision of the field changes for sure um and, and that's one thing that I, I credit Coach White and and co- uh, Coach Chris with when I played in 05 was like, you know, they taught concepts, like play concepts. So then you would call plays that build on top of each other. And then, then so then, therefore, you're playing and have these multiple plays in a row. And so, therefore, you learn how to read defenses and you learn how to read the D-line and the linebackers and the safety. So that's one thing I learned from them. Being under center, I'm able to literally get out of the huddle, think about what I got to do, but then I'm able to see and read and react based on what the defense is doing. And Pistol, to your point, my landmark's still the same, but I'm but like i not the tallest guy, so I, I wouldn't be able to see anything. I'm just basically listening off of, of the quarterback's voice, right? And I, I don't think I would have... I, I think pistol is a really good formation, but that would be the one downside. They just don't see the it, middle of the field. You don't have much. a clear vision of the field, and so therefore, you almost feel like you're trying to catch up, and you know what I mean, and react yeah. instead of being like, okay, like right, the 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 DN went outside, so I'm, I'm going to be inside. Guy crossed my face, so I'm making a jump cut inside. Like you maybe not be able to see that as quickly, but I think there's our there are advantages to to the pistol.
2: One thing that I've sort of seen, and I guess frustrates me as a Badger fan and burn you, you hit on this a little bit earlier is the the sequencing of plays. I I think it was nine drives in the last game. They started run, run pass. And I was just like, it's tough because a, like the defense knows that's coming on first down. It's going to be either an inside handoff or a stretch play every single time. And they're going to go to the strong side. And I would imagine for those guys, it might be a little bit frustrating. Just you know, they know what's coming, you know what's coming, and it's not that it's not that money Ball line that had three first rounders in front of him, right? It's you know, it, it's it, it's like we said, it's not it's not the strongest offensive line unit that they have had at the school, and so I just want to know from your perspective, BC, like I, I'm sure you see this as well. Uh, would I would imagine that would be frustrating on the field. <sighs>
1: It it is, um, because you know, as a player, you don't you don't feel like you get a rhythm, right? Because in your mind, the plays aren't making sense. If that makes sense, like they're just not they're not adding up, right? Um, I I don't I don't know, and I, and part of me wants to give Bobby Ingram the benefit of the doubt, just because he did get here relatively late in the game. Um, this is still probably a version of Coach Chris's offense. Um, so I don't know what he's able to implement in such short period of time. Uh the well, guys what he was with. able
0: to implement in the summer. Right.
1: Right. Okay. Sorry and to the contract, guys he's working yeah. with, No, it's okay. The guys hey. he's working with, um, you know, I think what they can and cannot handle. So I'm I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Unfortunately, the benefit of the doubt. Um, has cost us uh, some games um where we haven't played consistent. Um, but i I do I guess I have a question for you guys. Do you think say we went out we went a bowl game, so we're eight and five, right? Would that be eight and five? Yeah, eight and five
2: that would be eight and five um, yeah.
1: do you think I think the defensive staff' has done a really good job. And those guys mm-hmm. are pretty locked in. Do you think Jimmy's going to make some changes on the offensive side? Yes. Yes. He has to. Guarantee. I guarantee. I, so, that, Matt B, that, here hear what I say. And then
2: I'm going to guarantee there has to be multiple. There are multiple changes. Wait, Matt, Matt, multiple changes. Matt, hear
0: what, hear what I think will happen because you do a lot with Clint and you know things that are different than my brain. Mm-hmm. I think Jimmy yeah. sits down with Bobby Ingram and goes, dude, what's our plan for next year? And I think he says, and I think Bobby Ingram says, I came in, the, Coach Chris wanted to still run this offense, this vanilla offense. We only had those plays. And, like, I, I'm pretty sure he was not able to just come in and be like, you know, here's the keys to the offense and see it run. Yeah, absolutely So not. I think that Jimmy's going to sit down with him and go, what are we going to do different? And if he doesn't like what he hears, I think he's gone. I think I think if he, if he likes what he hears and he's like, listen, I'm going to trust you to be that guy. I think we see a whole new offense next year. I think that's that. Then I think they, if if Jimmy and Bobby like each other and they want to work together, I think he goes, what needs to change? And I think Bobby goes X, Y, and Z. And I think that happens. Um, I don't know what that I, means. I'm going
2: to interject here. I'm going to interject here, Burn. Um, A couple things. If he's going to play, I said this on Monday morning fullback. Bob, if, if Bobby's going to stay, he needs to go to Andy Reid's sequencing camp because he needs to learn how to how to set up the offense it's very clear he's never called plays before it's
1: very very clear Matthew, he's never called I plays would before. I would say this I I think people think that coordinators at a certain level are all good they're not all coordinators are not the same right there are some really innovative creative play callers and then some people just can't do it and I'm I'm not saying that Bobby can do it or not, but like we don't know. We don't know, right? And so it, it it it's really tough to do that. Cause some people got it and some people don't. Like we know, like just as anything. Like some people are really good at it and some people aren't. And so we don't know. And so it'd be interesting to see if if Jimmy gives him another chance, but like we need a quarterback coach. Like Yes, for they need sure. a
2: dedicated quarterback coach. Bernie, what do they need even more they than need that? A
0: special teams coach. They need 100%. a special team. Don't tell me that, that this game needs no special team. Co- I, no matter. Listen, I love Jimmy and every single thing that he says, but if he says we don't need one, I'm like, dude, that's the one thing I disagree with you. Look at special teams. I, I, has been the worst we've ever had. It's terrible. Two years in a row. But two it's, two it's, in
1: it's, a row. It hasn't been great the last few years. It, it has. Been listen, we've been
0: trending not doing so hot for the last few years. So, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, to go back for a second, uh, I think I also think Jimmy has to hit the transfer portal, not hard, but I think he needs to get a competitive QB to come in or miles Burkett needs to be like, dude, I need to step up.
2: No, you know, even without the, they have two scholarship quarterbacks right now, right? We ha- but I think we have to go two to the transfer portal and get a dude who to wants to bring play. in I mean. someone, even if it's just for depth purposes, because two sure. scholarship quarterbacks does not no. a quarterback room. That, I'm sorry.
1: And I would say that's murky water, right? Because I would just say this because if a guy is leaving another school for a better opportunity, they're not going to come here just for depth. They're going to they're gonna want to be like and, – and here's the thing. I don't think – I know Jimmy personally, and Matt, you do too. Um, but professionally, I don't think he would ever say this job is yours. And I think that's to current players, and I think that's to players that he may bring in. So I think he's going to have a hard conversation with Graham and, and some other players and say, listen – you want your job. I'm going to bring – I don't have to tell you this, but I'm going to bring somebody in here to compete with you, and the best person is going to win, right? Like, And he doesn't have to do that, but Jim's uh, a man of the people, so he's going to re- be upfront and transparent. But, like, if you're going to go get a guy in the portal, I think the guy in the portal has to understand that you may – or may not win the job, not necessarily. You're coming in to start. You know what I mean? So, I, totally. I
0: actually think to BC for you to bring this up that I think Matt, you either said this or somebody else sent me a, a random message was like the straw that broke the camel's back was letting Jack Cohen leave. Cause from that point on, like nothing has gone really that well for us, but I would agree. I think Jimmy will do things differently in recruiting. It's not, you're going to come and play here. It's you're going to come and compete here and it's completely different. Um, where you're the starter or you will compete to be the starter. And right. I think that's great. But I do think we have to hit the transfer portal for a QB. If it's not a competition, we're in trouble because to me, Graham shows these spurts of being a genius. And then these spurts of being like, almost like he's reading a different language out there. And it's like, dude, dude, Where's the grammar from the play before? It, it's just a weird, I don't know what he's doing sometimes. Um, yeah. And I, I think, think he's that's pressing sometimes.
2: I think he's got, I think he's not Sam Darnold seeing ghosts, but I, the offensive line doesn't have strong enough pass protection on a play-to-play basis for him to not have to rush. But, but there's, there's a I, lot going concerned. on nonetheless.
1: I think the only thing that's concerning is, like, he's been the program four years now, right? Like I think that's the most concerning part is, like, at this point, he's played enough football and he's been in the program four years. I think that's what makes people so frustrated and so quick to, to pull you know, the, the cord on him. Because it's like, dude, you've been around the block now. Like, come on, man. I'm not come ready on. to
0: pull the cord. I just want a competition to, to make somebody rise. Right? We don't need the next Russell Wilson. Like, if that's who Graham's trying to be, we don't need that dude. That's, well, yeah. Right? Like, I need... A Brooks Bollinger, I need a John Stocko, like someone who can manage the game, throw the right ball, really not turn it over a lot and let the let the other dudes be the stars, right? Like when you have um, you and Anthony Davis and O.D. and, you know, B. Will and all these other dudes, Lee Evans, Brooks Bollinger didn't need to be the guy. He made plays, but he's like, these dudes are dudes, man. Like, he would just go back, and if he had to rush, he'd rush. It's not yeah. the same. But then, again, we could always go back to the five offensive linemen that he had were hogs, like monsters, and they were not giving up sacks. And even if they did, they weren't happy about it, and they would take it out on people the next play. I think we have to get a chip on our shoulder as an old line We just – and I think in the portal, for to get back to what you were saying, Jimmy needs to go to the portal and say – we need a QB to compete, and I need an I need at least one lineman to come in here and shake things up. And to be honest, like I don't think we need the portal for that much. I think our defense is solid. I don't maybe another skill guy, but I think our skill guys are awesome.
2: I don't even think it's this. I think what it is. I mean, they're going to lose pretty much their entire starting cornerback room. Like they're losing everyone but Alex Smith, which is good because Alex Smith has been the best corner on this team since he came back from injury. But they're going to lose
1: Were those all three, three transfer all, are they all seniors. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Shaw Dort and um, uh, who uh, who am I missing? Shaw and Clark, Justin Clark. Um, All three of those guys are all grad transfers. Yeah, they're all they're all gone, Um, and Torch is gone as well. So you know, three fourths of your starting, three fifths of your starting defensive backfield is gone, and so I think that's probably the one other position where they're going to have to look at in the portal. As well as defensive tackle, but defensive tackle is the toughest position to recruit and get because you don't get big, thick, athletic guys. They just don't grow on trees. But
0: if you're in, if you're in the upper Midwest, if you are a amazing D lineman, if you're a defensive guy and you want to play in the NFL, uh, Wisconsin is that team.
1: I agree.
0: I mean, Jimmy. There's there's only a few of them out there. All those guys are still playing. All the D linemen are playing in the NFL.
1: Yeah, there's only a few college programs. If I was a defensive player, that you should consider, and Wisconsin is one of them.
0: If you if you're not going to go to like the top three places, then Wisconsin. Right. No, best...
2: but, but no, Wisconsin well, on defense. Wisconsin is the top three. Place. No, I know, but right. if you That's want, that... if you're like, I'm a five star
0: like I'm getting recruited. Georgia... Yeah, but if I'm if you're a five star getting recruited to to play in a national championship each year, I might look at that and be like, oh, there's you know this team. But if I'm not <laughs> that guy, right, then the next team on my list should be Wisconsin. The problem yeah, is you want really, to win a lot, and that's you know like, and if you're a defensive guy, which we've seen, if you don't have a head coach yet named, and the the program's instability is still really in, not stable. What happens? Dudes are decommitting. They're gonna go to take trips to Michigan. How grimy's <laughs> Michigan calling up our guys to be like, "Yo, come here."
1: Oh, Bernie, that's been going on for a long time. I know. Um, I also, also <laughs> think. Some of those guys are going to decommit no matter what, right? Like, the, the, like, because we have a, we have a really good eye of of kids that are under the radar, mm-hmm. and then they have a really blow up senior year, right? The, the 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 Hawaii receiver, like, you get an offer from Oregon, and that's his dream school. He could he's decommitting. He ain't coming to Wisconsin. You know what I mean? Like, true, certain true. those like those happen every year. Yep. Um, but I think you you talked about it earlier, like getting all the top guys out of Wisconsin. There's a, there's a bunch of guys in 2024. There's a running back from Catholic Memorial. There's an O lineman from McGuanago. There's a bunch of in state really and Memorial high.
2: Harbor. Right. The Harbor, the O lineman from Memorial, is I think he's the strongest lineman in that class, too. Like, yeah, 20, they, I mean, there's 24 ton, class
1: is huge tons of talent. from Middleton.
2: From middle, the linebacker from Middleton is yep. really, really good as well.
1: So, like, you got to get those guys first, you gotta got to get those it. guys first. Yeah, then you have to get some skilled guys. From Florida, Texas, California, Hawaii, wherever you need to go. Uh, and that's how you build your and then like you said, get a couple guys in the portal. Cause then those guys can at least probably play right away while you develop the other guys. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But that's the thing, like you can't build from the portal, but you can fill in gaps from the portal. That's, and that's and that's where you see coaches like Mel Tucker like falling off because they are trying to build from the, and you can't build. Well, who is it? No. Um, you, you, you can't build with transient pieces. What was
0: like, it? Uh, no. um, not Oklahoma. Who's the other? Georgia had like one transfer guy, or like maybe none. Yeah. That's...
2: The, uh, this year, This year, Georgia took zero transfers. Zero transfers. Yeah, it's, the country. Hey,
1: it's different though. Are you
0: the champ?
2: Listen, <laughs> it
0: I, <laughs> I, I totally agree, but imagine getting to and that you've point. had top
2: five recruiting class for six years in a row. took you. were took
1: your transfer. Top, top, top recruiting classes, you're Georgia national champ. And uh, and and Georgia as a whole, as a state, is a really good high school football state. I,
0: I totally – listen, all of these things I totally agree on. I think what we did have done – what Wisconsin has naturally done in the past, we got Alex Lewis on the transfer portal. We got you. And we got Russell Wilson. I'm sure there were other dudes. But those are the three I like, remember. And those three guys came in, and, and they were a good fit. And they were leaders right off the bat. And they were um, – Dude, when you showed up, you were well respected right off the bat. Even though we used to watch the one of
2: the, the one other guy I'll throw in there, burn is Nick Nelson. Okay, so there you go. So yeah. like
0: we do a good job of getting guys. We don't need a lot, but I think we need at least two to three this year.
1: Yeah, I think traditionally Wisconsin hasn't before the portal, right? Traditionally, yeah. they haven't got a lot of transfers, right? Alex right. Lewis was a JUCO, right? Um, yep. um, you know, was I'll, a
2: good was, was a JUCO.
1: Who was? uh andrew van
2: Ginkle. oh yeah
1: yep so he yeah he yeah,
2: was yep um yeah he was western iowa community college and then i think uh, i think
1: tanner tanner um i forget his last boy yep yeah, Mc- Ma- he, mcavoy was a, mcavoy
2: was a juco kid as well
1: um so we so we We don't traditionally take a lot of transfers like i was an in-state kid that went out of state and then came back right um, totally. um nick nelson obviously i think he was a hawaii kid that transferred in so like we don't traditionally take a lot of transfers but if they're a good fit like you said and so obviously now the portal's different but like like last year like we brought in a bunch of guys and, and maybe you don't need that many guys but i do think you need probably two or three guys to come in and like you said compete for spots and like you said ruffle things up because um i think sometimes in wisconsin once you're the starter you get kind of comfortable right because you know you're, you're you know you're waiting for the guys behind you to develop because um, you don't, we traditionally don't have a lot of true freshmen that play at Wisconsin. Probably one, probably one of the few Power Five schools that doesn't have a lot of true freshmen play, right? So, I
2: mean, looking back in the last couple of years, the, the true freshman who's really played: Braylon Allen, and that was basically because of injuries, right? Chez and ineffectiveness right. by Jalen Berger. You've got um, Nick Herbick starting right. as a true freshman.
1: I mean, Hunter and played. Mo- Hunter mainly Hunter played. played he, teams. he
2: got he got injured yeah. though. He got injured, didn't play. I, he technically got a red shirt, so. Yeah, so um, yeah, it's it, not a lot of true freshmen playing, um, you know, a ton. And it's kind of not surprising. Chimery DK uh, was oh, I think yeah, the, yeah, one yeah. of the that guys who Kobe didn't year, right? it as a freshman. So You know who? Uh, yeah, that was 2020. That was same as Herbic. You know who was yeah. a,
0: a, a freshman who played?
2: Matt Jimmy Leonard. No, I was a scrub. Jimmy <laughs> Leonard. You Jimmy sure Leonard. Was. And I think that is a good place to bring it full circle <laughs> and, and finish Scrubbed. it up. I, I was
0: scrubbing Jimmy's uh, locker out when he was starting at the seminary. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and
0: Jimmy's like, hey, Matt, you better get over here and scrub my cleats. These things are dirty. <laughs> Jimmy wasn't like that at all. Uh, but it's just funny to say. <laughs> BC man, thank you, dude. Your insights are are spot on. I I absolutely love it. Always a pleasure. Dude, I would like to see you there in Madison.
1: I'm just saying. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far.
2: I'm just saying.
1: I would like I I mean, I love the program. I love Jimmy. Um, I mean,
2: listen, listen. There is another all-star 2005 running back who is currently the interim coach of his alma mater doing a decent job. Mr. Cadillac Williams down at Auburn.
1: He And... (laughs) I, I'm so happy for him. Oh my god! Um, I got too. a chance to meet him when I was playing in Detroit. He's such a good dude. He's good. I mean, he's not going to probably get the head job, but he should. Um,
2: Honestly, but but like, what just, that program needs his, is him.
1: I agree. Hearing his story, it's like, what do we want? What do we need? They need Cadillac, right? They want some big name that's one and and whoever. But it's like he's done a really good job down there, and I'm I'm happy for him.
2: I like it. I talked about this on Illegal Motion, the other podcast I host, which is usually sort of large, big picture college football. We talked about this on our show last night, and like he brings an edge, like, like, like a true edge. And he, you can tell he relates to those kids. And it's those guys who are right now late 30s, early 40s. Those are the guys that are really trying to make a difference because they connect with the kids that... I love Coach Chris, but Coach Chris doesn't connect with you on the same way, in the same way that, that Jimmy or Cadillac, or a lot of these younger coaches. We've talked about Luke Fickle. He's still a pretty young man. Um, yeah. you know, they, they connect with players and inspire them. You can see it on the sidelines.
1: Those Times kids play changed. so
2: freaking hard for Times Coach Leonard. Times
1: have changed. Yeah. When me and Bernie played, like there was no social media. Facebook just started when we were playing. Like there was no social media. We were only a few years into having cell phones, right? It's, it's such a different time where now, you know, social media is king. NIL, like it's a different time, and you need somebody who understands it and wants to understand mm-hmm. and relate to the players. You know,
0: I also think I also think the the, the player is different,
1: and we have to one hundred percent. We
0: have to figure out that new algorithm. And I don't think like i uh, I'm not saying Coach Chris, but an older person, it's hard to relate to the new age, younger person.
1: I'm like, could that you imagine, as, as great as Barry was, could you imagine Coach Alvarez now trying to relate? Like as great as he, would, he was, uh, he would have to change a few things about him. And and he <laughs> he's 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 great, but imagine him trying to you know morph into what these kids need now. It's completely different
0: but the, but right it's completely different but i think coach alvarez what makes him very special is look what he's done through his whole entire career i oh, actually think 100%. he can he would i think he would evolve to to change to to at least he's just
1: very old. he was very old school
0: very old school <laughs> i told listen i agree <laughs> on that but you also brought in his guys and and like dude, how did. many times were you talking to coach alvarez a week me like once i was talking to cb dub like five times a day
1: and <laughs> well, and i was uh, talking to coach alvarez a lot so, yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you guys are I'm on that higher level. I'm talking to CB
0: Dub all day. Um, listen, I, I do, I think, I just think the player has changed and you're not just getting yelled at and just doing your job anymore.
1: I think you, right. you are because got kids who now, kids will now just quit and transfer. Yeah, listen, right? do trans- you think you would take the, the verbal beating that some of the coaches used to give us? like.
0: And this be okay with it?
2: I still am shocked at the amount of guys who decide to tr- say, "I'm entering the portal mid-season when they were like second on the depth chart."
0: But they're second you're on one... the depth chart; they could be number one somewhere.
2: Yeah, but you're one play away from being the dude mid-season. I mean, like, listen. Well, so I also think we
0: created this world because we have <laughs> we now did. the transfer portal. We have the nil. We did. We have easy, easier access to just leaving. You don't have to miss a year. There's no penalty. Which I also I agree with a lot of these things. But we've right. created this, we
1: you know, this place that we are living in, and we that's did. just where we are. We, Listen, you got to evolve. And, and let, one, one last story. I remember transferring when I transferred to Colorado. I didn't. I I finished a year out and went to school in the spring and did spring ball and then sat down with my parents and saying. I don't think this is the right place for me. This X, Y, and Z is going on. Then I'm gonna make the decision to move. Not mid-season. Not because I got yelled at. Not because I got benched. I played it out. I still worked hard, and then evaluated everything after the season. And re- you reflect on it, and then you stay, you leave, whatever it may be. I think kids now are so reactionary, where they're it's just so like, "I'm cool It's weird to me to out.
0: just say in the mid-season when you're playing.
1: I'm just going to yeah. stop playing this year and go somewhere else. I play in one game, playing on a Saturday and then Tuesday, saying I'm, I'm transferring. What? To me, that's bananas. Also, you need film. Like you need to have much better film. If you're not starting, like you
0: need to go in the game and do so- whatever. We can drill down on this a different time. I, I just, uh, uh, the world has changed and BC, what you and I physically and mentally took is not what is happening in this world. But to bring it full circle, I think Jimmy can evolve. He knows what's going on. He's played with Darrell Revis, like these dudes who are like the prima donnas. He's he's there's no been, better hire. There's no better hire. He's been around every type of individual, every type of program, coaching staffs. You name it. He's really been around, and I'm sure Jimmy's a sponge. He's absorbed it all. He's taken all the bad stuff is gone. All the good stuff he's he's retained. He can relate to these guys. I think he's more of a mentor than Coach Chris was. Like, immediately, these dudes want to talk to him. They want to jump around with him. You never saw Coach Alvarez come and start dancing around, like, we're all jumping up and, like, like, going crazy. I think that's so cool. Now, times have changed. He, I don't think Coach Alvarez would ever do that and never expect us to have that happen. But the locker room after a game when we won was pretty awesome. Like, people are yeah, going was. nuts. Um, so I'm just excited for Jimmy. I'm excited for, like, us as football alumni and Badgers to be part of this like weird time but to also have such a connection like you know we were with jimmy every day like i was there for four mm-hmm. years with him like it was awesome so i'm so thrilled for my friend and his success to be the head coach and i'm sure that's the same for you
1: absolutely well said
2: all right well uh, i think that is where we're going to wrap it up here today uh thank you brian as always like I mean, I just have you here every week. If, if, if I had my, you know, the three of us have my brothers about, me, or I just produce it. a show with it to you. I wouldn't even talk. I would just have you guys talk. <laughs> so, um, uh, BC, thank you for everything you do. Thank you for just being you because you're the man and, uh, we'll be back, uh, burn and I will be back, uh, Monday morning, fullback, uh, post acts week. Uh, and by then should be, uh, no more interim head coach Jim Leonard, just head coach. Jim Leonard, and that is going to be very exciting. So, uh, until next time, uh, win the axe on Wisconsin,
0: win the beat axe Minnesota. on Wisconsin. <laughs> Sorry, Carrie, beat Minnesota.
2: Thanks for listening to the Believe in Badger Football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by betonline.ag. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Badgers. That's B-L-E-A-V in Badgers. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube page for full videos of our podcasts. The show is produced by Matt Perkins and Matt Bernstein with audio editing and mixing by Matt Perkins. Our theme music is by Matt Blaustein. Thanks again for listening and on Wisconsin.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time.